Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the human side of learning and talent technology. I'm Bennett Jensen, back with Chris and Tiffany. We got Chris back in the seat this week after he was vacating the premises for a nice week of vacation last week. That is correct. Welcome back. good to be back. Yeah, we're glad to have you back. Dave and Tim were great, but it's nice to have the the original band back together. Yep, there you go. (laughs) That's good. So today we're going to jump into a new topic uh, that we really haven't touched on much about integrations and just with everything we have talked a lot about new technologies learning ecosystems how technology is really growing around an ecosystem rather than just one single source of learning or talent um, system truth if you will Um, so with that there's integrations that have to be made or what's the point of having all these systems if they don't talk to each other so we're going to jump into that the ins and outs the tips and tricks of, of where and how and, and, and what needs to be thought about as you're going through and, and really thinking about integrating not just with your learning ecosystem but even with even with systems outside of the ecosystem or, or maybe sitting on on the on the cusp of the of the ecosystem that may not be a, a true learning or talent technology but needs to support what the ecosystem is is trying to accomplish. So uh, that'll be the focus today. I'm excited about hearing your thoughts, Chris, on, on that. And Tiffany, I, you've got yourself and a whole team of, of people on, on the front lines here at Blue Water that focus on integrations day in and day out. So your perspective will be really, really great to hear and, and, and something that I'm looking forward to jumping into. But first, we're going to jump back to Chris and your birthday vacation last week. Like we said, we missed you last week, but you were out doing a lot more fun things than recording podcasts and working. Yep. So tell, tell us about where you went, what you did, and how your birthday was. Well, of course, I'm always working, so I was That's on true. the phone yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> still working. Uh, but yeah, last week was my birthday, and uh, myself, my wife, son, and his wife went to uh, Disney World. Mm-hmm. So actually, um, we went to Universal for a day and Disney World for a couple of days and wore masks around the theme parks and found every opportunity we could to get something to drink or eat so we could sit down and take our masks off. <laughs> uh, but we had a we had a great time and. Um, and it was, it was just good to be able to travel because I travel a lot every year. This is the first time I've been on an airplane in over a year, believe it or not, which is y'all know how much I used to travel, but, um, it was fine. American airlines took good care of us and we made it there, had a great time in the, in the parks, great time going out to restaurants and it was pretty relaxing. And the best part was. It was in the 80s. It was warm. Oh, nice. I like warm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Tiffany, I know you like yeah. that, too. It's, yeah. So. It's starting to get that way here, finally, too. Yep. So. Thanks for yep. bringing it I, home with you. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm always happy to because, you know, it hits triple digits. I'm pretty happy. Well, and Texas got confused for a quick minute there. Yes. Yeah. You know. Like 100 yes, degrees in the wrong direction, right? Yeah, it felt like it. Yes. <laughs> but, but it was good. So got stuck on Rock and Roller Coaster. For anybody who knows Disney World, we got stuck in there and then they had to walk us out, which was actually pretty cool because they had all the lights on inside. You got to see Mm -hmm. all the track. I'm even more impressed with that ride now than I was before. We got to do the new Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, which was the most awesome ride I think I've ever been on. It was incredible. So... Um, so you guys are big Disney fans. How many how many times a year do you usually go? 
Uh, well, in the last year, I haven't gone at all. Right. But when we've got conferences and events, and gosh, I'm there five or six times a year uh, because conferences, events, and in fact, my wife and I figured out this last time that the last time we actually went to Disney World on vacation was when we took, um, when we only had two grandchildren and the five-year-old was at that point in time too. So that was three years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was the first time we'd ever, that we'd been on vacation the rest of the time where I'm always there on business for some reason. So, but anyway, we had a great time, got to go to one of my favorite restaurants for dinner and, uh, but it's, it was good to get on the plane, good to come home and good to be back in Texas. Awesome. Well, happy birthday to you. Thank you. Glad you made it back safe and glad you had a great time. I'm a little jealous that you got a little got to actually go out on a on a vacation, but that's a great yep. sign of, of yep. things to come. Things right? to come for all of us, hopefully. And yeah. that's right. Getting uh getting out and about, especially with the summer coming up and maybe hopefully taking a, a week or two and actually traveling somewhere that's not within a you know, five hundred mile road trip radius. Yep. So yep. out of Texas? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because no one road trips to Oklahoma. So outside of Texas somewhere, yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> the only reason a road great. trip to Oklahoma is if you're going to Kansas, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, anyone from Oklahoma. I'm just just kidding. You know, you know Texas and Oklahoma's rivalry. So yeah. hope you can understand. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to integrations, um, I, I kind of set that up a little bit. But Chris, maybe you can expand a little further on, on the topic today and, and set yeah. up the full conversation for us. Well, you would mentioned ecosystems, and I know we've talked on previous conversations about the learning ecosystem and how that's becoming more and more important. And as companies are evaluating learning technologies, another big topic we've been talking about for the past couple of months, they're, they're finding that they have lots of disconnected pieces of technology that are focused on learning. So you might have an LMS, you might have an LXP, you might have another type of learning delivery technology or some mechanism to track on the job training that's not connected with systems or those systems connecting back into HR on the talent side. Uh, how are, How is performance information, conversations being monitored or measured, or even on the recruiting side, if we're in a recruiting process or we're making hires, how do we feed back into the onboarding process? There's different tools for that. So now you're beginning to talk about not just, well, hey, I want to connect my HRIS and my learning management system, and that's it. No, we're actually looking at connecting, you know, double digits worth of technologies together, not because we want to report commonality, right? Because we could just set up a separate data warehouse, drop data over there, everything's going to be fine. No, this is really about important data that's required for decision making and actionable data that's going to move inside a system. Because if we take on the recruiting side, I've gone through the entire recruiting process. I've moved to onboarding. I've got to send triggers back over to HRIS or to a ServiceNow type application mm -hmm. that's going to provision everything that I need as an employee. Well, those type of things are traditionally have been manual, but now how do we connect them together? Because I've hired somebody, I've gone through onboarding, 
HR onboarding, not learning onboarding, sure. HR onboarding. And now it's going to go trigger the procurement of equipment, resources, communication, phone, whatever it might be. That connectivity, which has been manual, people are looking now, how do I integrate that? And then where's the feedback loop from my provisioning system back into my learning system that actually gives me information to be able to go take me to the next step? And we've got all the virtual tools, the Zooms and the Teams, and how do I integrate? Even I've seen people trying to integrate Skype and WebEx and all these other new virtual ways of being able to meet, virtual event tools and software, which all become part of that learning experience. So the ecosystem now has been unveiled, so to speak. So now we've got a lot of people that are looking and saying, wow, I really do have a big ecosystem mm -hmm. of connectivity, um, but it's not actually connected, right? There's connected because one employee may use four or five systems. We've got to begin to get that back together. And I think for the topic today, one of the things that we want to be able to help people out with is the recognition that there's a lot of opportunity for integration, but these things aren't necessarily simple. They're not that typical, oh, I want to do an integration between system A and B, and it's just going to happen because most of the integrations are not preset with a lot of the technology that exists out there. And even where it is, you still have to make decisions about what data you want to use. Because if I'm, as an example, taking a Cornerstone LMS and want to integrate it with a PeopleSoft HR system, you still have to determine what data you want. Why? Because every, everybody has customized their PeopleSoft HR system. It could be an SAP or an Oracle or a Workday or whatever system that you want to look at, um, it's all customized on the HR side. So that actionable data has to be custom. So even though vendor A has a path to be able to integrate with vendor B, you still have to make decisions in that process. So this is not something to take lightly or to think integrations are going to happen right away. You do have to plan for them. Now, the good side of this is I plan for them I know what the business impact is. I can go create a business case. Sure. And so even though an, uh, an integration might come back and it's 2,000, 5,000, 10,000, or Bennett, I've heard you talk about 20 to $30,000 integrations, the value of that integration to the business is far greater than that initial cost. So it's about creating that business case to be able to pull it together. So I think as we begin to kind of unfold today, we can talk a little bit more about, well, what are the, some of the complexities and why does this, you know, why does this happen? And why, again, are we seeing this as being really important? It's because the recognition of the ecosystem. And we can see through COVID and through all this virtual world that people are recognizing, man, I've got a lot of learning technology, got a lot of talent technology. They're not connected together in a way that's going to make sense for me and it's not going to help me be more efficient and productive. So now how am I going to go get that done? I hear a lot of clients talk about wanting the out-of-the-box integration. And I, I want to highlight that while the out-of-box integration makes it easy, quote unquote, because it's already taken you past all the decision points, right? It's going to bring a certain amount of data to a certain field set to in a certain way. And that's it. There's no decision making. But what I find with a lot of clients is sometimes you get into those integrations. They're like, ah, 
but I needed this or, but I need it to be like X, Y, and Z. And so it's not always about the out-of-box integration, but it's about the access to integrate and then having somebody in the middle to build out that integration. And I think that a lot of people come into it thinking it's just an off-the-shelf thing when it's really, you have your access points, you need you need to go through the decision point of what is really the data? Why am I really trying to integrate this together? And then, and how? So, you know, maybe there's a certain way that I need the data to come out of one system and into the other. We can do that through the integration instead of it being a manual effort at any point in the process. Yeah, I think uh, from what from what we've seen going on the out of the box integrations, you know, a lot of the the technology vendors will will understand from their clients what what systems are most commonly you know what HRIS systems are most commonly used what you know other platforms performance if if they're not integrated or built into the same tool there or whatever that may be and build out some out of the box integrations just to make life easier for the client but like you said they're out of the box so there's not much wiggle room on what fields you can bring in what data is coming in and out and 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 when a client has a specific need or says yes this is great but i also want to add custom field X, Y, and Z. Ooh, actually you can't do that because it's pre-built and it's out of the box and now your, mm-hmm. your hands are tied. So mm-hmm. uh, just understanding that before you go one way or the other, I think is really important. Like you said, Chris, kind of building that case and, and saying, okay, this, this has to be done. How can I do it? Why do I need to do it to support the business? And is there a return on investment? Is that 20 grand I'm about to spend saving 40, 60, 100 grand in other places of the business because people can get to the system quicker or find data quicker or make decisions quicker because of that integration. So I think there's a lot of things to think about when yeah. when evaluating you know, what the best route to go is. Well, one of the things that and, and just made me think of it when you were talking about that, we see learning and talent professionals over the last year have been re- really, the feedback from our clients has been, They've been running at 100 to 125 percent capacity. There's been so much activity that they're beginning to burn the candle, not at both ends, but kind of burn it out Mm -hmm. because of that activity. So what can we do from an integration standpoint to begin to lighten the load so those learning talent professionals can actually focus on key objectives becomes very, very important. And I think those manual processes were in the past may not have been as active and they were easier to be able to go manually manage and process. Uh, they they now the level of activity in the learning and talent world, especially as we've all gone very very virtual for the past year, has just created this immense amount of workflow, and we're trying to get a productivity out of it. The other thing is businesses are always trying to drive up productivity. Right, mm-hmm. the more productive we get, the more that we can focus on the things that actually make the money business, the things that give us better gross margins, the things that give us profits, the things that allow us to go grow products and services and hire more people. Um, and so you eliminate those tasks that that are really just taking up time and creating expense. I think there's a lot of that that's focused in the businesses because even in the IT side of the world versus the learning and talent side of the world, we're seeing a lot of those items as well, which is why you have something like ServiceNow that is Mm -hmm. on such a hot streak of growth is because it's all about automating workflows. Mm -hmm. 
That's different than integrations because sure. we're trying to move actionable data. If you've got a bunch of learning systems and you just want to report on a bunch of data, go dump it to a data warehouse. Don't worry about the integration. But if I want to take actionable data from learning system A and put it in learning system B so that there's a decision that's automated in that process or there's more information given to a manager or an employee to be able to to make about something that's going on with their learning path. That's something that can happen in near real time and can really press a differentiation inside of the business. So I think one of the things, and, and I know Tiffany and Bennett, y'all are both, you know, you've got inter- engagement and interaction in, in different sides um, on this. But what are some of the things that people run into um, that causes real difficulty in integration or, or let me say causes surprises in integration where they thought, wow, this is going to be really easy, but now it becomes much more complex. What are two or three things that create those complexities or surprises for clients? I think one off the top of my head, well, there's two off the top of my head, the cost. I think internal and external costs mm-hmm. are a thing that, that people get surprised by. Um, internal costs being IT time, mm-hmm. uh, resource bandwidth, you know, being able to to do that. And that goes into my second point. But the second external cost, it takes it takes decent amount of time for a, a, a vendor or a consulting partner uh, to go through that process to build uh, the APIs or, or build the, the flat file feed um, coming into or out of that that platform. Um, and there's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of iterations. There's a lot of testing because it you know has to be built out properly before it can go to a production environment. So um, there's just more time than people think to get that done. My second one was that the fact that they need and need to rely so much still, even though they're going out to a vendor or partner for this integration, how much they still need to rely on their internal IT team. Because at the end of the day, they're integrating with a system that's owned by or two systems or that are owned by that organization, but but one of the systems being you know a, a platform outside of what that mm-hmm. ecosystem is currently supporting. So there's there's people within their IT team that have to be supporting and actually take a pretty large role in the project to be able to support that full integration build out. Typically, if it's more if it's a plug and play out of the box, if it's something like that, probably not. But if it is a very custom API or custom uh, type integration there. There's usually some some interaction from the IT team that is forgot about until the project actually starts, unless they have a full service team that that could potentially do it um, mm-hmm. as an external partner. But so for me, it's assumptions, right? So clients that go into this assuming, oh, we could just connect those two things together will be great, but without the analysis, right? What am I connecting together, and and what am I sending where? I have a lot of clients that jump in and and they've got you know, four, five, six, seven integrations that they know that they want to do, but they haven't sat down and taken the time to to indicate why and what is the data and why do I need the data in the new system. It's one of those things, just because you can integrate everything together doesn't always mean that you should. And so it's sitting down having that conversation so that you understand what you want your end state to look like before just jumping in and, and ready to do it. Also, as part of that, it kind of lines out what are you going to need to know on your side? It's an out-of-box um, integration. Great. No problem. If it's not, though, what do you... what? 
IT resources are you going to need internally? Or, or, or do you need to bring in an external vendor to help support you in, in building whatever it is you have to do to bring those pieces together? So I think it's a lot of assumptions is usually where the complexity comes in. So two big things I heard from y'all is mm-hmm. that any of our listeners are out there planning is don't make assumptions. Mm-hmm. Really go dive in deep to what you want to do. And the other is be very, very aware that the IT department's going to have a role in this sure. and that you need to work through the process with them um, in order to make sure that they've got time and resources and an activity available mm-hmm. before yeah. you jump in before you jump in <laughs> yes. before you jump in yeah the earlier they can know about and plan for and be a part of the scoping or discovery conversations the better because we've run into a, a lot of situations where you start the project the maybe the the learning and talent team or, or the um the admins of the system are, are kind of in charge of that project and they're think going into it thinking oh yeah i can I can I can manage this. I'll be able to to you know get the data out of that the system we're trying to integrate with, or or be able to pull the files mm-hmm. and, and go and then roadblocks hit or hurdles hit, and they're they're just not they don't have the access that they thought they mm-hmm. they did to be able to complete the the full scope of the integration. So, and that that just you know a third thing we could say is timelines. A lot of people. Usually you think of wanting to have an integration at that time of need. So you want it done as soon as possible, mm-hmm. right? And so, oh, I want this integration done. Let's let's get this started. Let's start in the middle of the month and well, we'll be done by the end of the month, right? Mm-hmm. It'll take two weeks, right? No, it no. never does. It's a it's a it's a more complex process than that. Especially I mean, even a plug and play takes some time to test and could take two, three, four weeks. But if you're talking about a complex integration um, or a series of integrations, it's it's a you know several month project typically just because of the 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 time it takes for your IT team to help support the project uh, a vendor or I mean a, a a consulting partner to support the project and manage and and run that in, integration but also the vendor engineering resources typically are involved too because they have the keys to the kingdom on the backside of that platform mm-hmm. to be able to actually set things up and and their, you know, their timelines can be a little crunched as well. So right, and and the two other pieces that you didn't say, in addition to that, is requirements gathering, mm-hmm. and the big thing is testing. Yeah. You're moving data from one system to another. You never want to shortcut the testing right. piece. It's and I be think right. people underestimate the effort it takes to go through that. Yeah. So, Go I was just going to say, it's not an iterative process in production. It's got to be 100% there before you click that, you know, go live button, basically. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it could take several rounds of inter- iterations. And then every time you iterate that that process, those resources that took a little time to get a, get a hold of or at least get moving on that, they'll have to go back and make some changes depending on the, the errors that you encounter. So yep. and the, those just add up over time. So when the goal of prior planning prevents piss poor performance. Oh, you got it right. It yes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember y'all were talking about that last week. Um, Been a try. In that tried. prior planning prevents piss poor performance. Uh, just one thing each. What's the one thing that you would advise a client to think about or to do in preparation for any integration? Know the data that you need in the system mm-hmm. uh, or, or as part of that integration before you going into it. Don't, don't rely on any other outside party to, to help tell you 
what data is required. They'll help tell you all the requirements and all the, you know, what's needed and, and, and how to, to put that all together. But being able to have uh, some kind of documentation of this is the data I need to in order for this to be successful, in order for this integration to really support what I'm trying to do. And then, you know, the vendor or someone like Blue Water can handle the rest. So create your system integration diagram or your system interaction diagram before you jump in um, is what you're saying Mm -hmm. there. And I I completely agree. I think that's the number one. And two, make sure that you understand the resources that are going to be required to complete the work. Both your side and and any other, um, you know, mm-hmm. from your vendor, from your partners, whoever, whatever your ecosystem is, is it something you can do all in house, or do you got to bring other people? In? Find that out before you sign up for it, so that you know really what you're jumping into, so that you can you can plan appropriately. So know your data, know your resources. Yep. Yep. That's that, pretty key. That, that's it. Anything from you that we for, left out? From me. Um, I would say when you're in the planning and you know your data and you think about your resources and you're going to do an integration, this is not the opportunity to say, well, I'm just going to move all the data. Ah. Be very focused on what the business objective is and what you're trying to accomplish in that process. Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to say, well, I'm actually trying to get these three things to trigger, but oh, wow, while I'm there... I could just move a hundred pieces of data. No, now you complicated this to the point that you really won't achieve what your initial objective was. And I mm-hmm. think that we've seen that happen before. So mm-hmm. um, limit the focus of the data to meet the business case that you've put together for why you want to do this integration in the first place. That's good. I like that. Absolutely. Well, I think I think there 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 could and should be more to come on this because I don't know if we've covered everything that we'd want to, um, or, or there's there's just so much to talk about when it comes to integrations, conceptually all the way down to you know specifics and, and what you need to be thinking of. Um, you know, does an API integration make sense? Does a flat file integration make sense? And what are what are the pros and cons of an out of the box mm-hmm. versus? Um, custom or, or you know complex build out. So we'll probably be back uh, in a couple <laughs> of weeks with some more information. But I think this has been great. I appreciate uh, just the discussion on integrations. Um, looking forward to to what's next. If you liked what we were talking about today, f- please feel free to to comment or subscribe or both, or, or and let us know what you want to hear about. Uh, if you have any questions on this, if we can help you in any way, whether it's as, as Chris and Tiffany and myself are mentioning kind of on the upfront of what does this all mean? Or you may be stuck right now on trying to integrate two systems together and not getting any support or not knowing where to go. Uh, we're, we're always here to help. So um, we look forward to you tuning in next time. We, we appreciate you tuning in today. Chris, Tiffany, thank you. Thanks. We'll chat thanks again soon. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the human side of learning and talent technology. We'll catch you next time. Thanks. <laughs>